Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. I think what we see emerging is essentially new forms of secular orthodoxy forming, and we can really view these modern-day hate speech cases as an equivalent, really, of the blasphemy cases of old. Getting your kids counter-programmed to have their social life, family and community focused, this is generally what the research suggests is useful for a successful transmission of values across generations. The Lord does not set us to look for escape from trouble. He sends his church right into the midst of trouble. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. We're not taught to look for an escape from trouble, but to confess Christ and let come what may. Lord, thank you that I belong to a we. I am baptized into your church so that that even if I feel alone, I can pray the first word of the prayer Jesus gives me and know that I'm not alone. I belong to your church, Lord. This is Will from Michigan, and I'm a Lutheran high school teacher and football coach. And I love beginning my day listening to Issues Etc. All right, guys, let's go. There has not been a completely pro-life Democrat seeking the, the Democratic Party's presidential nomination since 1976. Ellen McCormick was her name. All that changed yesterday when Teresa Bakovinak announced that she would also like the presidential nomination from the Democratic Party, and she's completely pro-life. So why would someone who is pro-life, a pro-life Democrat, want to run, given the fact that that party is not going to, in the near future, elect anyone who is not only not completely pro-choice, but completely pro-life? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. live on this Friday afternoon, September the 15th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll have a conversation with the pro-life Democratic presidential candidate, Teresa Bakovinek. In the first few minutes of our program, Dr. Ken Sherb joins us after that for part three of our series on evangelism. Today, we'll talk about some basic steps for congregations to take. Then our series, Kids Have Questions, continues. We'll continue talking about sexual sexuality and identity, and then a little bit on the life of the church and practicing the faith. Pastor Jonathan Connor will be our guest. Teresa Bakovinak is a Democratic presidential candidate and founder of Pro-Life San Francisco and the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. Teresa, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. What is it like being a pro-life Democrat? Well, it's challenging. My party is doing everything they can to silence people like me, and of course, silencing anyone who's, who's standing for the unborn. Yet the majority of Democrats do oppose elective abortion in later trimesters, and one in four Democrats identifies as pro-life. So I think it's just really important that pro-life Democrats have representation right now, because right now we just don't. Most pro-lifers oppose abortion for religious and scientific reasons. You are an atheist. Why are you pro-life? Well, I became pro-life when I lost my faith, actually. Once I didn't believe in a life after death anymore, and I didn't believe that there was a God who was going to right all of the wrongs in the end, I started to feel a real strong sense of urgency around social justice issues in general. And I continued to think back about abortion and 
animal rights, and I just thought, this just doesn't seem right to me, given that we have this incredible opportunity to have this conscious experience of our lives and something that's so rare in the universe. Who has the right to take that from us and why? And ultimately, I came to the conclusion that it is just as wrong to kill an unborn person as it is to kill a born person. Tell us about the finding of the remains of over 150 aborted children in 2022. Uh, The discovery of the 115 aborted children outside the Washington, D.C. surgery center was the most life-changing experience I've ever had. It was the most soul-crushing thing I've ever experienced, and it's something that I think about and live with every single day. It is a cornerstone of my campaign, not just being a pro-life Democrat and creating a space for us, but also showing the victims of abortion extremism, showing where the Democratic Party's abortion extremism really takes us to. It takes us to a place of infanticide. It takes us to a place of horrors. And so I'm going to use my platform to give a voice to those children. Why do we need a federal abortion ban? Because abortion is genocide. It should be illegal everywhere. What is your position on federal funding for Planned Parenthood? They should be totally defunded and dismantled, and they are one of the worst organizations in the history of our nation. They were founded by literal Nazi eugenicists. It's not the kind of organization you can reform. It has to go. And so federal funding is just the beginning. What is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, and why do you oppose that? The FACE Act was created to punish peaceful pro-life activism. During the 1980s and 90s, tens of thousands of nonviolent peaceful pro-life rescuers were arrested for putting their bodies in between the killers and the babies. And so the FACE Act was designed to be a weapon to be used against these activists. And it was quite effective for some time. And we've seen it. It's supposed to be equally applied to protect churches and pregnancy centers. But in its history, there have been hundreds of pro-lifers who have been prosecuted under this law, while only two other instances, two uh, pro-abortion activists have ever been charged under this act. In, In light of more than 70 pro-life pregnancy centers being attacked since Roe v. Wade alone. So it is an unjust law, and it essentially criminalizes peaceful, nonviolent protesting beyond just trespassing. It makes it a federal crime, and and it is intended to incarcerate and to silence pro-life speech. So tell us about those who have been convicted under the FACE Act. Two of my closest colleagues and friends, Lauren Handy and Herb Garrity, along with John Hinshaw, Heather Idoni, and Will Goodman, they were doing a peaceful, nonviolent protest at the Washington Surgery Center, which is the same location where Lauren and I later discovered the late-term babies that have been come to be known as the DC-5. But when they did that action, they were trying to prevent violent federal crimes from happening. Infanticide, letting a child die after an 
a failed abortion procedure is a federal crime. And so they peacefully put their bodies in between the killer and the baby, and now they are all incarcerated. They've been convicted, and they are awaiting sentencing. Each one of them is facing up to 11 years in prison. How and why has the Democratic Party become essentially the party of abortion on demand without any restriction? It's a toxic relationship between the abortion industrial complex and the Democratic Party. It's a financial relationship, and it's the one that most needs to be broken. It's a relationship that Republicans can't really touch. It's a problem within the party And given that so many people in the party actually are pro-life, millions of us are out there but have been silenced, it is so critical now that people can see that there are other pro-life Democrats like them to show them that they're represented and to, to give them the courage to stand up, to be seen. And if enough people stand up to this extremism, we will be able to break this toxic relationship. Is it as simple as the abortion industry and primarily organizations like Planned Parenthood having a financial stranglehold on the Democratic Party? Yes, I believe that is at the root of the issue. When you encounter fellow pro-life Democrats, talk about kind of finding the needle in the haystack. Uh, Well, we're out there. I I talk to people all the time, actually, who consider themselves pro-choice, but when you discuss abortion with them, Nearly every person who considers themselves progressive or Democrat, the vast majority of them want abortion more restricted than it is today. They just don't realize that abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy in several places in our nation. And I think, you know, our biggest hurdle is really to be able to show Democrats that this is really happening, because if they believe that it's happening and they understand that that's true, they will oppose this kind of extremism. Of course, you've announced your candidacy for president. How would you respond to the assertion that the Democratic Party would never elect a pro-life presidential candidate and that you're essentially wasting your time? I'm not running to win. I'm running to disrupt. I'm running to create a space for pro-life Democrats who can run in the future and win. And anything is possible. Joe Biden used to be pro-life, and many Republicans used to be pro-choice. Nothing is written in stone. And we know with any other social justice movement, it's essential that they're able to reach both parties on an issue so that it, it becomes unthinkable. And I think that, you know, this campaign isn't, like I said, this isn't about winning. This is about giving a voice to the babies that I found, because any FCC TV station must run the ads of any federal candidate uncensored. And so I intend to run ads in any states where I can get on the ballot and showing the American people who these victims were, what they looked like, and the justice that they still need. And of course, to show the Democratic Party that we're not giving up. They can try to silence us. They can try to intimidate us. They can try to squash pro-life Democrats all across the country, but we're going to keep popping up. And if no other pro-life Democrat is willing to stand up and run for president, then I'm just going to do it myself. What do you make of President Biden's often stated position that he is personally opposed, but he cannot impose his personal beliefs regarding abortion on anyone else? 
He's a collaborator in a genocide. Teresa Bakovnik is a Democratic presidential candidate, founder of Pro-Life San Francisco and the progressive anti-abortion uprising. Teresa, thanks for your pro-life commitment, for your work, and especially for sharing your story with us. I do hope and pray that you would reconsider the God who created all human life, and I thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. When we come back, Dr. Ken Sherb joins us for part three of our series on evangelism. Today, basic steps for congregations in evangelism. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Register today. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through the 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky. The conference includes visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Online registration is open now with early bird pricing at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth. Freedom, vocation, Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu.